Hello there, and thanks so much for supporting the Music Career Show. My aim with this podcast is to help as many people as I can turn their passion for music into a career that can support them and their family by speaking to people who have actually done it and finding out how they've done it. With this in mind, I have developed my music career roadmap. This is a fully comprehensive and detailed step-by-step guide of how you can go from dreaming about your ideal career to actually implementing and living that dream. It is yours to download for free and can be found in the description of this episode. If you would like any support at any stage of your music career, you can reach out to me via email at barry at oneladmusic.com. I wish you all the best of luck and I hope you enjoy this week's episode of the Music Career Show. Welcome to the Music Career Show, telling you the stories of the world's best professional musicians. Hello there and welcome to the Music Career Show. My name is Barry and every week I'll be speaking with incredible musicians from all over the world about how they've honed their craft and made a career out of doing what they love the most. If you're a new listener, then while you still have your device in your hand, please take a second to subscribe and tell your friends all about the Music Career Show. Okie dokie, hello there and welcome back to the Music Career Show. So today's guest, he is a fellow awfully man and he is working towards becoming one of the most prominent performers in the traditional folk music scene worldwide. He's currently lead singer and guitarist for the world-renowned Irish Celtic show and he's also had stints playing with Derek Warfield and the Young Wolf Tones as well as working for Disney World in Florida. So this is young Kieran Coney. Well, Kieran, what's the crack? Not too much now, Barry. All going good though in yourself. Irish, look, you couldn't, uh, sure, how could you be well? Uh, what, what, what was it that, that my mate used to say? How could you be well with your arse and two halves, huh? <laughs> anyway, listen, Kieran. for those that don't know you just yet, why don't you introduce yourself and say hello to everyone, tell them what you do. Well, my name is Kieran Clooney and I am a borough man, uh, proud and true, and I'm 27 years of age and I've been a full-time musician, I think, since I was... 16, 17, I think, and I've been getting away with it up to now, so I'm, I'm still doing it. Getting away with it, I love that. The two Johnnies do say that all the time, that they're getting away with it, and, and they're, they're always on about, uh, and I get this, and I'm sure you get this as well, says, um, like, oh, are you, you boys are still getting away with this, I see, are you? When are you going to get in, uh, a, a real job? Do you get that all the time as well? Well, I, I get the the old one, uh, you know, are you still at the music? I think everyone tends to get that one. You still at the old music, yeah. Yeah, I love I, it. I, I very proudly tell them, yes, I am still at the music, you know, and yes. it is a job, you know. I, I do pay taxes on all this and it's uh, it is a career and I am proudly still at it. So, and I will continue to stay at it as long as I'm getting away with it. Well, fair play to you. Good man yourself. So let's talk about that then for a while. So, or for, for a bit, where did it all start for you? Take us way, way back. When did music start becoming a thing for you? When, how, what was your like first instrument and all that? Well, like, I think, so I don't, I don't come from a musical family as such. Um, but my dad, um, my dad was kind of heavily involved with the, the motorcycle club scene in Ireland in the kind of early 80s and stuff. So he was he had a big interest in a lot of American music and kind of blues and bluegrass and American folk and rock and stuff. So my father had always had a really had a brilliant uh, taste in music. And I, I remember growing up in Borough and my mother and father had it was a three CD changer Mitsubishi CD player. And it was That's in the living room underneath the telly. Yeah. And there was times when we were growing up like we didn't watch the telly. We just sat in the living room. 
listening to, to CDs that the father had. Well, I think that was kind of the beginning of it. And then I, I was, I could always sing. I was always able to sing from a young age. And then going to primary school, you know, you, you, you sing all your holy songs for uh, mass in, in the school and stuff. And I, could, I used to get asked to sing songs myself and stuff. So I, I kind of was like, oh, I'm obviously somewhat all right at it. Mm. But I think um, I got my first guitar from my confirmation money in six yeah. And the very, very, very first guitar that I bought was it was a an Argos Les Paul copy, this black S Paul. It was a lot of shite. Like it was a yeah. It was one of those things you paid 150 quid and you got a five watt amp for it as yeah. well. But yeah. it was it was shit. Um but it got me started. So I started kind of playing around on that, um, trying to learn stuff and, and getting going. And so I did a bit on that. And then um after that, I bought what I consider to be the, maybe the guitar that really got it started. I remember, and I still have it. I don't have the Les Paul. That Les Paul is long gone. Um, yeah. I think I remember trying to road wear that myself with files from my father's shed and all that to think I was yeah. cool because I thought yeah. I was a rock star. But, um, I've got a guitar here that i done the exact same. Um, yeah, but then I, I bought um, my own money then, um, maybe like a year later or less. Um, and, I, and I still have it in the house in Glasgow. I brought it with me. Um, it was a Brunswick acoustic that I bought in Powell's, uh, the Four Corners down Shop Street in Galway. Oh, yeah, I know it. And that was, so that was an acoustic. So I bought that. And I kind of really started to learn on that because I bought that and then I went to secondary school. And obviously in secondary school, you, you can study music as part of your junior leaving cert. Yeah. And I think that's where, when I was around other people to play music, then I started to learn more. So I, I was completely self-taught. Yeah. Um, and then when I went to school and you're playing with other people and then I just kind of gradually, you know, the, the, the more I was doing in school with school musicals and actually, you know, doing music in music class and playing, you know, you'd do, you'd have a day, a week in music class in school where you'd just do practical. So you'd just sing covers and the teacher would go, mm. right, we're going to do this one and this one and this song today, right? There's the chords, there's the words, right? You play the guitar. That's where it started to actually like playing and singing and stuff. Um, yeah. But I, I remember the first pub gig I ever got. Well, even to go back again before that, my, I think, oh, Jesus, I was young. I, th I remember I'd been playing for maybe a year or two. And I remember my father had a, he had a, a white <laughs> transit van. And um, he came back from work one day. It was my birthday. And I hadn't gotten a present off my mother and father for my birthday and being, you know, 16, 17 at the time. I was like, oh, they don't yeah. love me anymore. Fuck me, you know. <laughs> I remember my father giving me the keys of the van. He says, you go out to the back of the van. I left something in the back of the van where he bring it in for me. Yeah. And they had bought me a set of these uh, JBL speakers. Um, oh, clever. But they were like, in today, by today's terms in kind of uh, PA equipment, they, they were fucking prehistoric. They yeah, were the yeah, big yeah. wooden cabinet with the felt on the outside. Oh, I know them well. I know them well. Weighed a ton, but I was like, oh, this is fucking brilliant. So the bus, one of bought me then. And then I, I managed to source a desk and cables and stands from wherever I could. Yeah. And my first gig was, I think it was for my father's work Christmas party. Um, 
in the Swan in Borough, which is since closed. I'm starting to show my age now where pubs are gigged in that are no longer fucking open. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So I'm, I, I, done, I done that gig solo for my dad's work party um, in the Swan. And I remember getting paid, you know, 50 euro to do the gig. And I remember going, fuck. That's, that's handy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, I think from then on, I was like, oh, I need to start taking this seriously. Because, you know, I'm like, I'm getting, like, when you're, you know, when you're 15, 16, like, 20 euro is a lot of money. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. You know, but then, like, you're getting a brown note then. Like, yeah. that was good money. That, that was like, you fucking, like, 50 quid would last you a week and a, or oh, two Andy. weeks of you know, when you're young, yeah, yeah. When you're that age, you know, and you're being bowled and you're, you you buy a box of fives, a box of fives could last you a week. You know <laughs> yeah. I mean? yeah. So, it, it, you know, getting paid 50 quid to do a little pub gig, I was like, oh, that's fucking brilliant. And then I think just from then on, um, I, I started to love it more, took it more seriously. And then I decided I wanted to, you know, do music in college. And then that was kind of, that's where it started, really. Started yeah. at so- home with, with listening to music in the living room with my mother and father and, and my family. And it just kind of gradually progressed um, as I went through school. Deadly. And then you went to college then to do music. What was that? Was it a music degree? Was it BIM? Was it, what was it? It was BIM, yeah. So I went, um, I studied, uh, it was, the course was commercial. It was a BA honours degree in commercial and modern music. And right. basically the way it worked was you had five streams that you could saw. It was a mu- It was a music degree to an extent. Um, yeah. Um. But it, it kind of qualified you to do fuck all. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like Bim's way of working. The way I looked at it, anyway, was it was, it was a networking college. Yeah. So like, yeah. I get you. It was one of the best decisions I ever made because I wouldn't I wouldn't be at the level I'm at now if I hadn't gone. But yeah, I I don't say that based on what I learned. To really, I did learn. Obviously, I learned a, a lot. Yeah. But I benefited more from the connections I made there. Than I did I from you. what I wrote. Do you know what I mean? Um, Completely. So I, I went and I, so you, you, you could do songwriting, vocals, bass, drums, or guitar. And I studied guitar. Grand. So I studied guitar. I, I kind of like, I was like, well, I know how to sing. I don't need to go and learn how to sing. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I can play the guitar, but I know it could, I, there's a lot of room for improvement. So I went to study guitar up there. And I'd done that for, I didn't finish the course because I got work. <laughs> Right, grand. So fair enough. What what what, what, what was the work then that uh, took you away from it? So well, I don't. It was a four year course, um, and it, it was brilliant. I mean, you got the opportunity to gig in, like they used to run kind of monthly gigs. Um, there was like a, they used to do two gigs. Was it every month or two months? There was um, they do an end of term gig, and yeah. then they used to do these live lyrical gigs. So the live lyrical gigs was um, it was all original stuff. So basically right, cool. the songwriters would put bands together and they'd have to audition a track and they'd have to organize the band. They'd have to have the charts and say, this is what I want you to play. And you blah, 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 blah. You'd go rehearse the track, you'd audition it. And it, that was done through your exam. So if you played on these tracks, you could, you could be assessed your practical assessment for that exam, for that time period, you could get assessed on the audition. But cool. the audition then also, if you'd done well enough, you'd get on the gig. But like the yeah. gigs were put on in like the button factory, Wheelands that were put on in really good venues. Class. So, um, yeah, it was good. Um, but then, like, you know, you're, you're meeting people who, like, the, the lecturers were brilliant. I mean, we had, um, well, so, I mean, Jimmy Smith was the 
head of guitar. So he was the head of my department. And Jimmy Smith was like, Jimmy Smith turned down Tin Lizzy. You know, he was asked to join right, Tin class. Lizzy and he turned it down. Jimmy was a, Jimmy's an amazing, yeah. amazing guitar player. He was in the Bogey Boys, which was a big, big band back in the day. Yeah, I think I know the name, all right. I think he might be, he might, would he be active enough in Guitarist Ireland or something? Is that where I'd know him from? Is it Smith M S M Y S M Y T H? I know, I know that I, I, I don't know, I know the name to kind of see it written, so I can only assume that it's, it's, it's in that capacity. But yeah, cool. But that that Jimmy was the head of the department. Then like you had Paul Moore, um, Paul Moore was the was like the head of theory and bass, and like Paul Moore was Van Morrison's bassist. You know what I mean? Class and played with everyone under the sea. Um. Johnny Boyle was a drummer with the Frames and everyone else in Ireland at some stage. He was yeah. the drums. You know, you had you had people who that was the whole ethos of the college. You had working musicians teaching. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I, I I always kind of felt that the the degree was just was a formality. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of lands that went there didn't finish or they didn't really need to finish. They just done it because you know, yeah, they were there to do it. But like what yeah, happened exactly. with me was I, I was there for two years and at the end of my, I remember I've done me degree me um, exams at the end of the second year and I had I had got asked I got an email about going out to Disney World um, so what happened there was I had sent uh, emails to kind of different places and. I'd heard about these gigs in different countries and I was like, I'm young. I said, I want to go out and see a bit of the world and earn yeah. a bit of money doing it. The fact, like, the thing, I was like, if I can go out and go somewhere new and earn money while I'm there, fucking happy days. That's yeah. the dream, right? Yeah. So I didn't know a lot of these different places that I'd kind of heard on the grapevine from people in the college and different, playing with other people. And I was obviously doing gigs back at home in Bar at the weekends and kind of around locally. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I had... I had kind of started to dip my toes into the trad music. I was quite late getting to the trad stuff. Um, yeah. Like, I only really started playing trad properly kind of at the end of that year in college. So I was right. 1920. Yeah, um, same age. I, I started, you know, playing with, with trad musicians in pubs. And, like, there was this, as a bit of a tangent, but I, I kind of remember when I was kind of just starting out in the pubs, trad music wasn't cool. There was no trad no. pubs. I know what you mean. There was no, there's been, you know, in whatever's going on at the, like, there's this renaissance in trad music at the minute, at the minute. Yeah. Like, every fucking pub you go into back home, there's, there's someone playing a fiddle or a banjo or an accordion, or there's a session on and we shut them. Well, yeah. I, but I kind of, I can remember that point, like when I was maybe 1920, the end of that second year in college, where I'd started doing a couple of gigs with different trad musicians and trad was kind of, starting to become popular again yeah um, well I, I kind of copped that and i was like oh well it's going down well the trad is going well down well in the pub so when i was gigging at home and bird the weekends i was gigging with different trad musicians yeah yeah and then i suppose a long story short i got a re i got a reply from the one pub that i thought i would never get a reply from um, yeah. from raglan road in uh, walt disney world in florida and yeah. that was kind of a, that was like that seemed like an untouchable gig um but we, or I got lucky. Um, in I had just I put up a couple of videos on YouTube when I was young. Um, one of them was uh cover Fairy Tale New York that I did that kind of got done quite well. Yeah, yeah. I sent 
I sent a link to that in the email and your man got back to me and uh, I was driving, I think I was driving home from a gig one night in me little fucking Skoda Fabia. Yeah. Um, um, I, could, I can actually remember as clear as day, I was in this little sky blue Skoda Fabia driving back from somewhere and I Beautiful. had a Samsung Galaxy S3 mini phone. Wow. I don't know why I know that, but I can fucking see it. I had it up on the little holder in the dash. Yeah, yeah. And this number pops up that I didn't know. And I had a radio that you could receive calls through. Yeah. And I answered the phone and it was the owner of Raglan Road. Raglan Road. I, I, I was getting the piss taken out of me, but he was like, no, no. And it was amazing what happened because this was like, this call came in like the very start of April. And right. he was, uh, look, I love, love your stuff. Yeah. Uh, and listen, I need a band, either a solo or a two-piece, to uh-huh. replace and who are currently here who are leaving uh, at the end of the month. Right. And I was like, right, okay. And he was like, I'd love to have you out. Yeah. And I was like, right, okay. So, and then obviously he said, take a bit of time. And he told us what, you know, the details and what, what you'd be paid and the, the arrangements and everything. And I was like, fucking brilliant. And yeah. I had to think about it, and he said it was it was for a month initially. Um, so we went and talked about, it and then how I never forget how quick it happened. We, I phoned him back that night. I met up with the I ended up bringing a guy uh, from Laura, P. Ryan banjo player, out with me, um, yeah. um, to do it as a two piece. And uh-huh. I remember I had to ask P.O. was he interested, and he was interested, and. We met in Haverty's and Burr to have a pint and chatted over and we, we said, yeah. So we phoned um, John back, the guy that owned the pub. And he was like, okay, that's perfect. I'll be in touch with you tomorrow or my guy will be in touch with you tomorrow. And Love it. Out the visas. And we were up in the embassy in Dublin two days later doing the interview for the visa. And I think five days later, the visa was in her passport. Jesus Christ. And away you went. It happened that quick. And away we went for initially a month. And yeah. It was near- we were there two years by, by the end of it. Were you there two years? Yeah. It was, I think it, we went out for the month and then came back and we went back out for like a year and three quarters or a year. It was over a year and a half. Class. I've, yeah. I, I've, I've been in Raglan Road. I know it very, very well. I was actually there when, um, you will know Arthur O'Connor, Arthur Stones. You'll know him oh, from yeah. Rule of Gold. Yeah. I was, I, I was, I, Arthur was in my class in school, but I was over when his brother, Theodore, was over with... He was yes. If Tidor's listening now, he'll be fucking cursing my name now for not remembering the name of his band. It's gone. Sorry, Tidor, if you're listening. But I remember because I went in and he copped me straight away. Like I literally walked out on stage and then the first thing he said was something about, oh, there's the bowl Barry Carroll now fucking can't go anywhere or something along those lines. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So what was that like then? Because I, again, like what I, <laughs> I got in touch with Raglan Road as well. Um, to, to go out and play there now for whatever reason it didn't transpire I was just wasn't as good as you or I got in at the wrong time <laughs> maybe you got in there before me you got in at the right time but I never got there and like you I thought it was quite an untouchable gig as well because it's it's a production and a half it's a big big fucking it's a big spot in the middle of Disney Springs and Disney Springs itself it's a big big spot it's a big gig so what was that like then? I'd be lying if I told you it wasn't probably the best crack I've ever had in my life. Stop. Yeah, it was. If bear in mind, I'm, I was a young chap going out there, and sunshine and drinking and your no mammy and daddy around you and your yeah. they give you a car, 
You know, they yeah. give you an apartment and the apartment complex, you have, your, you have a pool, you have a gym, which I never fucking used. <laughs> you know, you have, you, you're, it's just, you, 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 think, you, you think, you see when you're that naive and young, you're like, I fucking made it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're like, I, I don't want to do that else. You know, you get, you do get, you kind of get, I do remember, I can't speak for everyone, but I, I can remember kind of getting a kind of nearly an, like an air of cockiness about me because I was like, oh, this, I'm fucking living the dream, man, you know? Yeah. You're all drinking the whole time. You think you're all that. And then thankfully I had friends around me tell me to cop the fuck on. But I mean, you do get, and I think, I think everyone as, as a musician, you know, you, you, you go through all these different phases yeah. and, you know, you start out and you just love it and you love it and you love it and you're doing it, you're practicing all the time. And then, you know, you, you get to a stage and you start making a bit of money doing it and you're like, and you take it a bit more seriously. And then you kind of, you get to a point where you think you know it all, but yeah. realistically you're just fucking full of piss and vinegar and, and yeah. you know, you're taking down a peg or two. And I ha- I put my hands up and say, like, there was a period when I was out there where I was definitely uh, like an arrogant little shit who thought, yeah. knew it all. And, uh, and I was the lad. But yeah. you, you, you find out very quickly that if you keep at that, you're going to get fucking nowhere. And thankfully I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was amazing. I mean, it, it now it was hard going. I mean, we were gigging six nights a week, and the gigs were long. The yeah, gigs were four hours plus. Yeah, um, but we kind of we kind of built up a bit of a following. Like, I mean, a lot of the same people coming back to see us, which was unusual because it's a holiday destination. It's it's rolling trade. It's the people on holidays and they're gone. They're here one day, they're gone the next. Yeah. We were a lot of locals coming. There. Like, it's not a fucking cheap place. Like, food and drink that there's it's a fortune. It's yeah. Yeah, you know it, it is. It's it's fucking dear. But I mean, we we were up there, just had a ball. I mean, we really did. And then it, um, it was it was by being out there that I met. Obviously, out there was playing all trad and everyone that was out there, but they were all trad musicians. All the musicians out there were trad musicians. Yeah, like I had dipped my toe into the trad stuff at the end of my time in college, yeah. but there were more trad musicians on the course. Do you right. know what I mean? Then I went out to Florida and everyone was playing trad. I really started to cut my teeth with the trad music there and started learning about trad, learning about trad musicians. And it was there that I became a trad guitarist as opposed to, you know, like I, like I was, when I was back home in Ireland, I was playing 50-50 electric and acoustic guitar. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm playing 97.5% acoustic. And every now and again, if I'm doing something record, recording-wise, the electric gets taken out. Well, I, ha- I haven't yeah. gigged an electric guitar since I was 20, I'd say. Um, yeah. So you're, you know, seven, eight years. Um, yeah. But then, so it was actually true being out there, we got asked to go down to that uh, Four Green Fields down in Tampa to do a gig. I know um, it well. I played there myself. Great yeah, spot. So I got asked to go down there, there through Pio because he knew Damaris. I didn't know who Damaris Woods was. Right. And, and I didn't know anything about the of Tones. I didn't know... To be honest with you, I didn't even know that the Wolf Tones had split up. Do you know what I mean? Just, but it was pure, it was naivety on my part. As I said, every day was a school day. You were like, with the yeah, tracks, yeah. learning more and more. I was getting to know names and different things. Yeah. But that done a gig, couple, a gig or two down there. And Derek and Damaris, I think, came in one night and they heard me and they liked me and I got on great with them. Yeah. And then I left Raglan in 2017, I think it was. And I was kind of touring around America, doing gigs and, and, and doing the circuit and 
gigging in Ireland and just doing my own thing. Yeah. And then Demars asked me to do a gig in Kilbegan with the Young Wolf Tones when I was back. Um, and I didn't realize at the time that it was actually an audition that I didn't know I was having. Um, yeah. I didn't know that I was going to be asked to join the band. I didn't know that the guy that was there before me was, was leaving. Um, yeah. So I done the gig and it went down well. And straight after the gig, Damaris asked me if I wanted to join the band. Um, and then I said yes. And that was kind of the next chapter then. It was like, right, you're going to spend a lot of time in America now because they tour America so much. Yeah. Um, but that was that was a whole, that was another beginning, a whole other chapter then after Raglan, you know. But Raglan was, um, I, I, I do owe an awful lot to Raglan Road. I met my now partner and mother of my first child out there. Right. Um, not, not, so not when I was there, I met her um I was touring with the Wolf Tones and I went down to visit a lad that I used to live with when I was in Florida and yeah, Jamie yeah. Martin was a dancer there at the time and the rest is to say it's history. But if, if I hadn't been, had a reason to go down and visit down there, I never would have met her. And now we have a formal doll together and that, you know what I mean? So I do all, I do all an awful lot to Mickey Mouse. <laughs> so you're gigging away with the Young Wolf Tones anyway and you must have done some savage gigs with Derek and the boys then. Oh, we did. I mean, like we done... We've done some brilliant festivals. Like we do, I think the highlight was definitely we done Milwaukee. That was Milwaukee was fantastic. Like that was an amazing gig. And like it was, you know, meeting you're meeting lads in Milwaukee who are you know getting to sit down and play tunes and and have a sing song with Derry Farrell, who yeah. at that stage I was a huge fan of. Yeah. Um, like that was amazing for for me. Do you know what I mean? And now I mean. When I was recording my EP, I was able to message Derry and go and ask him for a bit of history on one of the songs because he used to he used to do it and he was yeah. able to get information on it and stuff like that. But I mean, you're out there, you know, we band with three are out there. Um, you've Gaelic Storm who are huge in America and, and yeah. all these big massive bands, Socks and Frying Pan were out there. Uh, the Coronas were out there when we were there. Actually, Danny O'Reilly and the boy, uh, like we were all getting pissed singing. Rebel in the in the lobby of the hotel and all that with the, with the, with all the lads, um, it was it was fantastic. But I mean, one thing about that whole time, I mean, was like the traveling that we done. Fuck mm. me, like I mean, I was you know I was young and fish and all that. But I mean, Derek at that time, Derek was in his early mid, merely to mid seventies. And it didn't take a flunk of him. He'd get in and drive four or five hours, not like the rest of us. Yeah. And we drove all over America. Flew, you know, to uh, fly from Ireland on a Thursday uh, to do a festival that weekend, to fly home on the on the Monday and stuff like that. You know, it was a lot of traveling. Jesus Christ. Um, and yeah. well, I mean, we, we done some fantastic Milwaukee's obviously a big one. Cleveland was another big one that we were where we done the festivals. We done some amazing, cool little pubs, like mad little places that you like places that i will never see again do you know these one-off places that yeah you, you'll never see again sometimes you're quite thankful that you'll never see them again yeah um, yeah 100 yeah well it, there's some of them that you'd, you'd go jesus if, if like i'm gonna have no reason to be in that part of kansas to go see that place again like we don't cannot remember for the life of me what the name of it was but there was this it was an irish bar somewhere in kansas 
and it was an old bar during the prohibition and it was, it was down on the ground. And when I said it was like going down a mining shaft, you dump, dump, down all these yokes. And it was this bunker underground and, and it was a gig venue we played there. It was amazing. One of the coolest gigs I've ever done. I cannot remember the name for the life of me, but um, I didn't like playing the likes of the Golden Ace scene in Indianapolis, which like that, the McGinley family have had that. For, I think it's like they've been this year, I think it's like their 95th St. Patrick's celebration with the pub. Um, you know, and it was a, t- a tiny pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tiny, tiny pub. Um, and they'd have, you know, we do a gig there with five piece band and everything yeah. like this. But, you know, it was part of what you done. It was another gig and people loved it and, and it was great. Um, well, we done like we done serious traveling. Like I remember, two that always stick out in my mind was we done one. Uh, we finished. It was a private house concert in Philadelphia. Got off, packed the van, got into the van, and our next gig. This was a Sunday night, and on the the next gig we had was on a Tuesday down in Houston, Texas. Which right. is a twenty-six hour drive between it's about a thousand it's at least a thousand miles, I'd say, is it? Right. It was something crazy. But it was it, yeah. it was like a, a day and a half of a drive. Yeah. So we drove, I think, ten hours through the night or twelve hours and we stopped in Memphis. Right. And we done Graceland and all that. That was amazing. And then was there bed, sleep for a couple of hours, back in the van to do the next fifteen hours, and arrived at the place straight out of the van. In set up sound check gig, Jesus. And then so we done that gig in uh, Houston, and then the next gig on the Wednesday we drove up to Dallas, which is only like two and a half hours. But yeah. up in gig, gig finishes back into the van, straight down to Tampa, which was like another 17, 18 hour drive. Jesus Christ! And it was fucking mental. Another time we flew. I think it was like a Friday. We were doing a festival up near Stewart Airport up in upstate New York. No Norwegian were flying into. Back I, I, I don't, but I'll, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Right, yeah. so Norwegian were doing those cheap transatlantic flights. Oh, I do. Yes, yes, I have you. Is that why it was so cheap? Because you were out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like. Yeah, well, it's, it's not. Do you know what? I, guess, I think it was like, if you got your ticket, your your flight ticket with Norwegian, if they flew you to Dublin to Stewart and included in the ticket price, the flight price, you got a coach from Stewart down to Manhattan and it was like a two and a half, three hour drive. I suppose that's not... It's not too you, bad. To be fair, you'd, you'd live with it. You'd live with it you for the price like, of it. No, if, if, if you were stuck for a few bob, you'd absolutely do it for a cheap holiday in New York. Um, so yeah, it was like a Friday. We flew like at eight o'clock in the morning from Dublin, landed in Stewart at midday, one o'clock, <clears throat> round, got a rental car, drove to the festival, which was only like half an hour from the airport. Oh. Got uh, on the stage at like four o'clock, off the stage at five, pretty much back to the airport for like an eight and nine o'clock flight back to Dublin. Fucking hell. Um, That's hard all going. That is hard all going because, uh, like, you, 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 it's, it's, it kind of goes back to what you were saying about kind of getting ahead of yourself because you do, you kind of, you're on such a high and you do feel like such an absolute fucking rock star because mm-hmm. when you go and tell those stories, you know what I mean? You don't remember every single second of those 17 hours that you were driving. All you come back with is a story. It's like, oh, should, you, should, we done a, should we done a gig down in Houston? And should we fucking drive nearly half it with nearly an entire day to get, then to get to Tampa? Yeah. And over this end of the world, Houston and Tampa and fucking Dallas and you're up in Philadelphia. These all sound like places that are in films. And yeah. it sounds far more glamorous 
than it actually is. And that's why you're getting the, the head on you because you just, you feel like an absolute fucking rock star. Yeah. You really feel like an absolute rock star, but people don't see the 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 blood, sweat, and tears, and and the amount of coffee and red bull. People only see when like and it it look. It's I'd be guilty of it as well. You know, you're not going to pop up on Instagram when you were playing in a a fucking Irish pub in the middle of nowhere and fuck all people arrive to it. No, you're just not going to do that. It's not. No. It doesn't look good for your band or and I'm that's where anything I've ever done. Yeah, like I mean the with doing gigs myself when I was out in the States, doing gigs and all, you're not going to fucking put up a picture of the bar with the two cunts not listening to you. You're only going to put up the phone when the place is hopping or a video yeah. when the place is hopping. Yeah. So the thing with the Young Wolf Tones, like for, you do these amazing, mm. amazing gigs. Yeah. But you knew there was one that was going to humble you. You know, because yeah. every band that tours America, these little, fit, the, the little filler gigs are really important. And, they, you know, they serve a purpose. They're, they're, they're not, they're not there for your ego. They're there to pay a bill. Do you know yeah, they're there to get you to the next one. Yeah. So it, they're, they're going to pay for a car rental or they're going to pay for a hotel for a week or do something like that. So you have to do yeah. that. And they yeah. do humble you. Like, as I say, you know, you, you you know when you go and do the likes of Milwaukee or Dublin, Ohio or Kansas City Irish Festival and you've, you know, a couple of thousand people in front of you and you... Yeah. It, it, that, that moment you get on that, on that big stage... It just makes all the really shitey gigs worked it because it's you. Yeah. It, you've earned it. You've earned yeah. that right to stand up on that big stage and receive the big applause and people wanting to get your autograph and get photos with you. And, you know, but in that, as you say, in that moment when people are coming up wanting to talk to you because they think you're a legend, they don't know the shit yeah. you before you got there. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, and. and, and that, but that, that's what humbles you. I mean, we, we joke about it on this tour all the time. Like, myself and the, one, of my, like, one of my best mates here, Danny McGuinness, who plays the accordion in this show. Um, Danny and me gig together in Glasgow all the time. Hey. Like, you know, we, we'd be sitting and, you know, we'll do a you know, 5,000, 7,000 seater venue somewhere in France here and the place is packed. And we come yeah. off the stage and then Danny would just go to me and be like, ah, in two weeks' time, we're going to be playing in insert Irish bar's name here <laughs> and no one's going to give a fuck about us yeah I know I know I know it's hard it's soul destroying isn't it well see this maybe I'm a bit of a masochist or something but like you know I enjoy the kind of the misery in that <laughs> what I mean I, I kind of like I I just think that's fucking brilliant that uh, where I think we're as I said you know me when I was 1920 would have been too cool for any of these shit gigs uh, exactly I mean, yeah whereas now yeah. it's like they're what keep you on the ground and it's just you know yeah it's 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 so funny like you you just that's the way that's the way it goes do you know what i mean you get these massive big gigs and they are amazing and you come off stage and you're fucking full of adrenaline and you're buzzing yeah but then next week you're going to be playing down the local on the, on the friday night and i uh, no one cares they'll cut, and, cut yeah the speakers aren't going to work and yeah. Your cable's gonna, you know, your batteries are running low and fucking something. Uh, your yeah. right hand is falling over, and you just go, ah, fucking, what is it? You know what about it? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so then, what you, you finished up with the Wolf Tones? Then why did you finish up with the Wolf Tones, or was there just uh, another opportunity, or what happened? I like. So I had started. So everything kind of crisscrosses and goes back and forth. I had known because, of, right. 
when I was gigging in Raglan, obviously there was Irish yeah. dancers out in Raglan as well who performed as part of the whole thing. And they, it was through meeting all those Irish dancers and there were these dance tours that like, there wasn't just Lord of the Dance and River Dance. There was these other yeah. shows that had like bands and stuff. And I was like, cool, I like the sound of that. That sounds cool. Yeah. So through a couple of the women that were there, um, they were like, oh, well, we do this show and that show. And there was a couple of shows I mentioned. And um, they were like, here's the email address of the, the MD, you know. Yeah. I sent a couple of emails. And one of them was to Anthony Davis, who's the musical director of this show. And I'm very lucky that like Davis is, the, I regard him as one of my best mates now. You know, he's not, he's not my boss. Yeah, yeah. I refer to him as my boss when he's in my company and drives him mental. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He hates it. But he, he's, he's the boss. He, he composed all the music in this show. He's arranged all the music in all of the shows. He's, he's El Patron. He's the one that, you know, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's an absolute gentleman boy. So I had emailed, I had emailed Anton when I was still in Raglan. Right. And he, in fairness to him, he was one of the only ones that actually got back to me. Yeah. And he was like, I love your stuff, blah, blah, blah. I really like it. He says, I'm not in free at the minute. He said, but if nothing comes up, I'll keep you in mind. That was the end of it. Q joining the old Wolf Tones. Yeah. And I, I done, I, I done nearly two years with them, I think. And I think towards the end of it, I was kind of like, I, I think I, I, I just kind of was done with this. And yeah. There was, there was never, there was no, if they rang me in the morning to go and cover a gig for them or deputy gig for them, I would absolutely do it. Yeah. Um, like I'm, I'm very grateful for that opportunity. I've, I've done gigs that I, I probably won't do again because I was with them. Yeah. Um. And I, like I, I, I actually spoke to Damaris. Um. Back in when I was in Germany there back in January, I spoke to her on the phone for now. Yeah. Was the first time I spoke to her in a good while, but we spoke for nearly an hour on the phone, and there's not, there was never anything. Yeah. I just kind of got to a stage where it was like, I've done enough of this. I'm, I want to, I want to do something else now. Yeah. I'm still young. I don't want to be doing this for the next. You know, 10, 20 years or whatever it was. I mean, you know, Derek has done it all his life. I'm fair play to him. And yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a legend. And, you know, everyone knows every Irish person has sang a Wolf Tone song at some stage in their life. Do you know what I mean? Exactly, um, yeah. It was, a, it was a big honor for me. And I'm delighted that I'm, I'll forever be able to say that I was in a band with one of the original Wolf Tones. I think it's, yeah, yeah. It's cool. Um, but um, I just kind of reached the kind of point where I was like, I'm kind of done with this now. And Basically, I had been looking for something else. Yeah. And I just sent, by chance, I just sent Anthony uh, a follow-up email. This is around a year and a half after the original email. Yeah, yeah. And I just happened to email him at the right time. And he was like, provisionally, the guy, the guy that's playing guitar and singing now, he's going to be leaving. Are, are you available for these dates? And yeah. I said, yes. And he was like, send me on the passport. And I was like... Right, so then I just, I, I gave the Young Wolf Tones like two months notice. I said, look, I'm going to do the February-March tour with you. Yeah. And after that, I'm, I'm, I'm moving on to something else. And that was kind yeah. of it. There was no, that was the end of it. Um, And then I joined Irish Celtic then in 2019. Um, Great and stuff. Since. Excellent stuff. And then, of course, COVID hit and, and, and put the kibosh on absolutely fucking everything. But I would imagine before that, so if you were joining them kind of 2019-ish, you must have been like, how far into it did you get before Everton went tits up? So, like, we would have got a we got a good two three month tour in at the end of twenty nineteen, and that was my first tour with them. That was with the original show, so Irish Celtic one, Spirit of Ireland, and we done France and Germany and stuff, and it was amazing. And while that was going on, Anton was 
writing the music for this new show that we're touring now. So, like, I can remember, like, well, Jesus, when, when, when COVID kicked off, like, so we were doing this tour at the end of 2019 for Irish Catholic One. And yeah. then in, like, the January, we had a rehearsal in Glasgow to, to this new show was being done, um, The Path yeah, of Legends, yeah. we're doing here now. And we, we the band rehearsed it and we'd done the music and we were grand. And then we flew out to France in the February of 2020. We'd done a week of rehearsals for this new show with the yeah. dancers and with the full tech crew. We were in a venue just outside Paris. We'd done full week of rehearsals for yeah. Irish Celtic Tree Path of Legends. Then we flew to Germany to yeah. do a week of Irish Celtic One, right? Right. Okay, grand, yeah, yeah. And then we flew back to France to start the Irish Celtic Path of Legends tour. Yeah. Right. So we went, we've done a fucking week rehearsals for one show, flew to another country to do the other show, and then yeah. flew back to the other country to do the fucking one we rehearsed for. It was mental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this was a brand new show. There was a lot of fucking money pumped into it. Promo, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Anyway... We got a week into this brand new tour for Irish Celtic 3 and we were woke up one morning to be told, it was a, was it the Monday morning we woke up, it meant to be a day off and we all had to go down to the lobby and like, yeah, everyone's going home tomorrow. So everything, the world's shutting down. That was it. So I then went, I was like, fuck. Because it was meant like, yeah. we, were supposed to be, we were supposed to have something like, it was crazy. I think it was meant to be something like four months solid tour. It Shit. was like France, Germany. Then we were supposed to go out to China. Oh, you know fuck. what I mean? But obviously, that got the kibosh fairly fucking quick. 100%, but, yeah. But anyway, so I was like, this is on the Monday. And I'm like, fuck. Like, this is, it, was, it was Paddy's week. It would have been. I, I remember it because I, I remember. I'll never, ever, ever forget the last Paddy's that um, we did because I think... I had COVID because I was as sick as a fucking dog. I was never as unwell in my entire life. And I was like, it didn't, but, it, but for whatever reason, it was before. It was, it, we were all in that sort. There was like those three or four days before the whole world shut down. There was that whole, oh, will they, won't they? Do you know what I mean? I didn't have any of the symptoms of COVID. I was just dying. And it didn't even occur to me that I would have COVID. Looking back on it now, I probably 100% did. But well, see, what happened? What happened? And I was like, there's no way I'm missing Paddy's. This could be the last Paddy's I ever fucking get. Yeah. There's no way I'm missing it. And um, yeah, I'll never forget it. And Paddy was on, Paddy's was on a Wednesday. And that was, and then by the 18th, the oh, Thursday. Paddy's, the Paddy's was a Tuesday. Was it a Tuesday? Well, we were sent home the week, exactly a week before Paddy's Day because it was the 10th, right? Okay. And I remember being like, I'm after losing. I was like, I was after losing thousands. In yeah. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn. So... Mm. I was like, fuck, I need to try it. So I still had a US visa. And I was like, the States, you're always going to earn good money in America, Paddy's Weekend. You're, you're always going to do it. Yeah. Right in Mars. Um, and this is obviously a testament that, to that we were still, there was no bad blood between us. I was able to ring the Mars and go, I need a gig. And she went, yeah, I need a band for uh, Indianapolis. Bang, booked the flight there. And then yeah, I was home from France the Tuesday. Yeah. I packed on the Wednesday and on the Thursday morning, Flew to Indianapolis. As I was in the airport the Thursday morning, Donald Trump had announced this travel ban between the EU and America. Oh, well, it was like it was only the it was only mainland Europe, the Schengen zone. I was like, oh, Demar's like, no, you're still all right. Ireland and the UK are fine. Yeah. Long story short, 
I was supposed to be gigging the Friday, Saturday, uh-huh. Sunday. Yeah. Off the Monday. And then Paddy's Day was the Tuesday. And yeah. I was going to be home the following Wednesday. Yeah. What ended up happening was I got me gigged on the Friday. On the Saturday then, I remember the Finns were out. Uh, Kieran and Bowie Finn were out doing the same gig. And, yeah. Uh, they, I remember running across the road to the Dominoes to get white fight. Um, and they were like, they were, everything was fucking going tits up at this stage. Yeah. So I was saying, I remember going to the Maris, like, Maris, I think like, we're going to have to get out of America. We're not going to get back into Ireland. Because I remember when we were in Ireland checking in at the airport, Matt, the young lad behind the counter was like, there's rumours at the airport. Pardon me, there's rumours that the airport is going to be closing. Right. And we were fuck's sake. Anyway, yeah. that's your fucking, we'll go and see what happens, you know? Yeah. Anyway, we went, I remember the Saturday night going to bed, myself and the lads had a couple of pints. Saturday we went to bed and um, we got home maybe 2 a.m. and then at 4 a.m. I get my phone going, Ming, and it goes, your American Airlines flight on Wednesday the 18th of March has been cancelled. <sighs> this is on the Saturday. And it already Saturday. Jesus going, Christ. So I, I had to. I was. I remember getting on hold, and and then the, I was on hold for two hours, and then the thing just went beep, and I went back up again, and they were like, "We can't take any more calls." So I had to fucking. I rang a girl who had been a server in Raglan Road, who I'd known since by being friends on Facebook. She was now an air hostess with American Airlines. I remember this. Did you post this on Facebook? I did yeah. you were, I remember this. Yeah, go on. So I rang her. And I was like, I'm in a fucking serious spot of bother here. I need to get back to Ireland. Yeah. Um, and she was like, I remember her saying, she's like, I'm on my way to the to the airport. She was up in Detroit or something, right? She was like, I'm just in an Uber right now and I'm going to, uh, I'll phone you when I'm at the desk. Yeah. The longest five minutes of my life. Anyway, she brings me back. And she goes, can you do your exact same flight this morning? So I was uh-huh. in the, on the Wednesday. The same flight was uh, Indianapolis, Philly, Philly, Dublin. Yeah. Uh, can you do the exact same flight? But this morning, this is like 7 a.m. And she's like, the flight was at 11. I was like, yeah, I get in an Uber right now. Yeah. Give me your party. But bum, don't look like that. And I, I had been looking at buying a one-way flight. It was going to cost me 1,200 quid. Jesus. Because Which of- is the last thing you need after losing pretty much your entire year's yeah. work. So yeah. um, she, in fairness, she got me on the flight. And I remember she said, the flight from Indianapolis to Philly is really quiet. You'll, probably, you'll have your own role. And the flight from Philly to Dublin is really quiet as well. Yeah, there's like 83 seats. I went, brilliant. By the time Aye. I got to, the first flight was quiet. By the time I got to Philly, there was 120 people on the waiting list to get on the plane. Oh. So they filled the 80 and then there was another 120 trying to chance their arm to get on the flight. And yeah. like there was yeah. everyone, there was no mask that time because it was no one knew what the fuck was going on. And yeah. there was young ones, I never forget there was a young one sitting behind me. And she goes, um, everyone was kind of telling each other their stories and what was going on. And this yeah. young one was like, I'm out in college in UCLA, and my dad just rang me and said, just come home. And she's like, we, we still have to pay rent on this apartment. I've left all of my stuff in that apartment. Oh, I, I still don't know what that girl did, but that was the last thing. She literally just packed a bag and got on a plane and left most of her stuff in LA. Jesus, yeah, there was uh, there was some you you were very very fortunate. There was a guy that worked with no, he didn't work with my dad. I made a mate, my dad's used to, he lived and he moved to Australia about fifteen years ago, and he came home for whatever reason for the first time in God knows how long, and he got stuck. So his whole family were away over in Australia. They're from Eden Derry. His whole family were were over in Australia, and he was stuck in Eden Derry for. But I put it this way: 
I was at home and I saw him for the first time in 15 years. I was home Christmas of 21 and I saw him for a pint. Uh, while I was out, I just saw him in 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 the pub, and he'd been there for that at that at that stage, and he hadn't been back to Australia since. So he was there for at least a year and a half. Yeah. Couldn't get back. Couldn't get get back to Australia. So you were you were very lucky. So how did you fill your time then? How did you manage to get get by? I suppose I done what everyone is did. I started fucking running five k. Five k. Yeah, I did yeah, that as well. I done that, and like I remember, like the 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 guy who used to do pipes on this show, Conal McDonough. Uh, was a was a serious guy. If serious into his fitness, like he he got and run every morning. Like this guy would do triathlons every. He's fucking fit as a fiddle, right? Yeah. And I remember he used to always say to me, "I was like, I'd love to, because I was a little, I'm a lazy fucker, right?" And I was like, "I'd love to do something, you know." He's yeah. like, "Man, running." He says, "Best thing clearly had is like, just do it." And I'd done it during lockdown, and I done the five k. I was doing good times and all that. And he was like, yeah. "You do the five k, then you'll want to do 10. And then you want to do that. And then I don't, I remember getting up to like 10K and I remember being like, I still fucking hate this. I <laughs> still really don't like running, right? So yeah. maybe it's just not for me. So, um, but I did, I did do that during the lockdowns. I done a good few Facebook lives. They were kind of yeah. lifesaver. Like yeah, every, for all of us. For everyone. We all yeah. run them. But I mean, people were good. I mean, people would send tips and all that. Mm. And then that was a good offer. Then I recorded my debut EP during that time as well. So I basically built a studio in the house, home studio, and learned how to use. I'd never used an audio interface in my life. All right. I'd had a good laptop and, and all that. And but I'd never, never done any home recording right now. But I, I was uh, like going full hog and I bought the best that I could at the time. Got the good mics and built um, uh, sound isolation um, boards and all that and acoustic treatment boards. Done it right. And then yeah. uh, recorded um, my debut EP, which I brought out in, the, I think it was May of 2021. Um, and that killed a good lot of time. That killed a couple of months because I had to learn how to do it. Yeah, yeah. And done, you know, got the recorder. got uh, a friend of mine, Pablo Lacuente, to mix it. Um, and a guy named Chris Waite mastered it. And then, so I we done all the recording in-house. Then sent it all off, got mixed and mastered. But um, all the actual capturing of the audio was done in my house in Glasgow. And brilliant. it came out, it worked, turned out really well. And yeah. it, you know, that was brilliant. And, and as I said, that killed that time. So I did look, to be honest with you, when COVID hit first, I think like a lot of musicians, you asked a lot of musicians who were busy, we were fucking delighted. In one way, yeah, in because, one way. Because see, I, first, I, see, for the first six to eight weeks, it was bliss, wasn't it? Fucking brilliant. You didn't, yeah. you didn't have to do fuck on. There, yeah. You weren't you weren't going just if I you know because I was gigging you know that, that, I I was at my busiest back, with the exception of now like the back then like that was when I was starting to get really yeah. busy with work and I was yeah. gigging constantly and recording I was doing so much stuff um with for my own stuff and with other people I was gigging a lot and I was getting really busy um, yeah. but as I said it was a nice that first month or two was fucking quite nice but then after that I was like oh I need to go do something now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I I, I remember because I when I when I gigged in Slough, I and I and then toured America and stuff like that myself. My voice never fully, never it was now it got to about ninety percent of it, and never fully got back completely healed. I suppose for lack of a better term, and those like you said, those first five six weeks, it was grand because you can just like yeah yeah yeah. All of a sudden, you've got 
and a, a whole other three days to your week. Do you yeah. know what I mean? You've got all this time. You've got like, oh Jesus Christ! Sure, I can, I can watch Saturday Night Takeaway live. Yeah, like, I don't have to watch it on the Sunday morning. Absolutely hanging out my arse. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Things like that. And it was such a novelty for a while, like you say. And then it just it, it started getting a bit much. It started getting kind of when you had to, when you really had to kind of, when you had to start queuing up outside of Tesco. And then you had to you had to kind of start budgeting because you'd only made X amount in your live stream or you were only getting X amount from some of the grants and some of the benefits that we were allowed to get mm-hmm. as um, self-employed musicians. And there was all, there was different opportunities and stuff like that. And you kind of spent your days searching for all these things to keep yourself taking over and, it was disheartening because you'd only get so far or yeah. or you weren't eligible for this grant because you've already gotten that grant or you're not eligible for um, these government payments because of X, Y, Z and all this. And you're kind of just like, it does get a bit much. And then after that, it was um, it was a long, it was a long old haul until we kind of, until we kind of got back to, to normality. I think but, it um, was good in the sense that like see now, based on everything that happened with COVID, before COVID happened, I would go and do this seven-week tour and go home and go straight into gigging again. Whereas yeah. now, but with the what I learned during COVID and now being a dad, yeah. I go home now and I won't, I'll do nothing for a week or two. I'll take a week or two off. Yeah, because you need it. Yeah, you I, 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 an awful lot of us kind of, I, I think, will, will, will have found the same as that. Like, I never, and you, you will, you'll have been the same, like you're saying. I, from the age of, we'll say 16, 17, Never had a weekend off unless it was, uh, unless I was away on holiday or unless there was a, a particular reason for it. But like for the vast majority of my early to late 20s, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, nonstop, sometimes on a Thursday, even sometimes maybe on a Wednesday, yeah. while doing whatever you were doing Monday to Friday, you're just non-fucking-stop. And it didn't occur it didn't occur to you to stop because you were having too much crack and it yeah. wouldn't occur to you to stop. Do you know what I mean? And it's only when you were forced to stop you realise the importance of taking a handy and that it's okay to take the, the 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 foot off the accelerator do you know what I mean it's, it's the other side of it as well it's like you, you know you kind of get to a stage where you go you know my thing was I, did, oh, no, I need to keep money coming in I need to keep need to keep the wolf away from the door I need to keep money coming in money yeah. and then you, I don't know is it kind of getting older or just wiser or I think it's just experience you kind of get to a stage where maybe you get a bit cuter with your money and you have money put aside for a rainy day and you go, yeah. well, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to take this week off. Yeah. You know, because self-employed people don't get paid. You know, you don't get nope. time off. You don't. Yeah. You don't work. You don't get paid. You know, yeah. I, I'm even like, I got no paternity leave when my daughter was no, born. You, you know what I mean? No. You don't get, you know, whereas if you're working a PAYE job, you'll get a week, I think it's a week or two weeks or something. You get, you get paid. Whatever it is, yeah. Whereas like, yeah. I got fucking nothing. And I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to take, I think I took a week off. And yeah. Then it just, I was, you know, I was like, I'm only going to be gone two. I cut, I did cut it back though. I was yeah. on a gig a night. Like normally in Glasgow, like I could do two or three gigs in a night. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas like, I'm just going to do one gig a night. And then if I can do, you know, three gigs in a week back in Glasgow, that pays all my bills and there's a little bit of spending money at the end. And I can exactly have to go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I definitely think, you know, it, definitely what happened with COVID and just, from experience and burning out. I mean, I mean, like, I think I've experienced burnout twice in my life. Yeah. Where I just went to, and I was like, just too much. And I was fucked. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I've definitely learned how to avoid that now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
absolutely. It's, it's, so uh, in fairness now, uh, of all the shite that went on for COVID and God God forbid we'll ever go through that again. Hopefully, Jez, we'll never have to go through anything like that again. There was an awful lot of uh, a silver lining for, for us creatives. Thanks be to Jez, because yeah. it would have been a devil to go through all that now for fucking nothing. But anyway. Uh, so what's next for you? So obviously you're, you're, you're flat out now. You're working away with the Irish Celtic and you're in France and you're, you're, you're in the middle of a seven-week tour just now or you're at the start of a seven-week tour, I should say. What's next? What's next for you? Anton on the, the horizon, are you going to stick with the, the Irish Celtic for a while? What yeah, do you think? I, I, I'm definitely going to, um, I'm going to start putting an album together this year, 100%. This summer, I said to myself, I'm going to start um, getting stuff together for an album and releasing them all as singles because unfortunately, the day of the album is dead in terms of, you know, releasing it the way you normally would now, just the way with, with streaming and all that. You have to release everything in singles, but I'm going to start yeah. compiling. I have a list of the songs that I want to put on a mixture of old trad stuff and one or two originals and some tunes as well that I've written. Yeah. Um, but that that's definitely the, this year I want to do that and even get all the demos recorded this year and then hopefully start recording them all early next year and have it released by the end of the year next year. Um, that's definitely the plan with that for in terms of myself. And then it's just. You know, I've a couple of festival gigs now when I go home. Um, I've a few gigs back in Ireland. Um, I'm kept very, very busy with different stuff, as I said, with solo stuff. And then I have a band back home as well, uh, Spending Isolation, that we do a couple yeah. of gigs with. So just, you know, different festival gigs. Um, look, the bread and butter will always will be the pub gigs. I mean, that's, as I said, yeah. back, you know. There, I know there, there's a lot of musicians on the scene and stuff in, in Glasgow and in, in in back home as well in Ireland, but yeah. um, that there a lot of them are maybe a bit they think they're kind of too good for the pub gigs and stuff. Whereas I'm like, nah, fuck. I mean, you know, yeah. that's where that's where I cut my teeth. And like, yeah. you know, you get there's this kind of thing with a lot of musicians where it's like, I, I've seen it, and me and, and Danny have spoke about it before as well. Like, you get a lot of these musicians that um they, they might look down on a lot of people for doing pub gigs and stuff because it's yeah. them, it's beneath them. But, I mean, I'm able to go out and enjoy myself and have a couple of pints with my mates and play music yeah. and have the crack. That's, the, the be all and end all is, as long as you're having fun doing it, I don't give yeah. a shit what anyone thinks of me. It, I, yeah. I mean, if someone is going to look down on me for doing a pub gig, I don't want to know who that person is. Exactly, it's more, it's, yeah, it, it completely tells you everything you need to you know, know about I, them. So I don't, you know, I think, like, it's a big thing I've learned as well. Like, just... Take the gigs. Yeah. I mean, take every gig on. Yeah. And you know, you're, you're, you'll do an odd gig and you go, I really didn't like that gig. And it might be a type, certain type of gig. Yeah. Go, don't, don't like doing those gigs. Well, then don't do that. Find yeah. something else. Like for me, I do not like playing for weddings. As in for being. Oh, it's, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I being, fucking hate. Being like a, a main wedding band. Don't yeah. like it. Yeah, the pressure with it that I just don't like, and people Same here. People kind of talk. People can be arseholes because they're like, "Well, it's my brides and grooms and all the people involved are like, well, we're paying for the blah blah blah." And if there's an arrogance with it, and I've seen it too much, I just don't like it. Really don't yeah. like it. So I avoid them. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah, said yeah. my New Year's resolution was that I wasn't going to do any more weddings. That was yeah. I don't I don't need to do them. I don't want to do them. And yeah. Thank God I can be picky like that. There's certain people don't have that opportunity or that luxury. But I'm good at being like, I love them these gigs, so I'll do more of them. Well, if there's a gig I don't like doing, I just won't do it. 
Yeah, yeah. But the only reason I know I don't like them is because I've done them. Don't assume that you're not going to like something. Yeah. It's a big thing. That, you know, just I think for anyone starting out and all that, like, get out, do every gig you can, play with as many different people as you can. Um, don't be an arsehole. Yeah. Don't think you have it sussed because you fucking don't. Yeah, yeah. And you know what I mean? Just be yourself. And if you're not, if you're, if, if you're doing, if you're playing music or you're involved in music because of how you, because you think it makes you look good or people think you're cool. Yeah. Give it up. Ah, cool. Exactly. There's no point in doing it. You know, yeah. you're, you'll, you'll eventually get found out. Do you know what I mean? You will eventually get found you out. Yeah. You have to really, really love it. But like, I mean, I love what I do. Irish Celtic. We're well looked after. The band are amazing. The dancers are all brilliant. Um, I have a boss that doesn't. I have a boss who's one of my best mates. Um, yeah. We're really well looked after. Um, it's it's amazing. You know, I'm very lucky to be here. Like, man, look, France is tough to tour in. France is, you know, like places to get food in France. They close between two and two o'clock in the afternoon and eight o'clock in the evening. So if you don't have, oh. but you know, France is tough. Okay. Um, but we do some amazing gigs. I mean, we're doing the Palais de Sport in Paris for Paddy's weekend, which is a big, really big gig. Um, and you know, as you say, it's tough. I mean, this is the first long tour now I'm doing away from my little one. Yeah. Um, you know, I done two weeks in Germany, and that was kind of tough. And then I done a week in Canada, and that was tough because of the time difference. Yeah, you know, yeah. And this one will be tough, but you know, she's coming out to visit me with her mother and um, my partner's parents. They're coming. Oh, they're coming out to Paris for Paddy's weekend, so it breaks the tour up a bit. But, yeah. You no, know, for me now. You know, when I used to do these tours, like a lot of them went out last night for a couple of drinks. Yeah. And I would have always been front and center. Yeah. Last, last night I was like, you know what, lads, you know, I'm going to stay in and watch Tommy Fury and Jake Paul have a scrap and I'm going to go to bed. Um, so I'm now the old man. I know, it's before. funny, isn't it? Yeah, I'm now, the, I'm now the, the old lad that, you know, just wants to be in bed by half nine. <laughs> I know. It's, 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 it, it is funny when that happens because... You do speak to people about doing all these things, and I was the same when I was speaking to people about like going slow and 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 touring America myself. And I'm, you, it seems like you're exactly the same. Is that you, there is such a thing as too much of a good thing? Oh yeah. You know what I mean? People, people will say there's no such th- there, there there's you can never get too much of a good thing. Well, you absolutely can. It took me it a long, was, long time, a long, long time to realize I was a fucker for getting formal. Yeah, oh, it's oh, stop. Like, I would be like, like, if there, if someone was just opening a packet of crisps, I had to be there. Do you know, that sort of way. <laughs> yeah. um, like, I, I was always like that. And it's only in, like, I mean, now I won't talk about it. It's only in the last 12 months. Yeah. That I have, that's not, has been a big thing for me. Like, I used to, I used to say to Julie, my missus, the whole time, like, when my mates back in Ireland, like Mick Buckley and Shawnee, that would be going out, they'd be going off. To, a gig, to watch a gig together with the women and yeah. I'd see them post something about it and I'd be fucking ray. I'd be like oh, bastards I know oh, yeah. why didn't I go you know what I mean and now yeah. I, mean, I have chilled out a lot and I'm still not 100% with it like I'm still going to go oh I wish it was there yeah I'm not raging about it anymore like I'd, I'd be formal to the point of being raging that I wasn't there and um, I've just I've just kind of copped on and realised that like as you say that there absolutely is too much of a good thing as I said, I'd be I would have been always been the lad that would have been having beer every night, having yeah. a pack and you know, wanting to see what the difference was going to be and like, you know, wanting to be the last one to go home because it just something yeah. happened. You know what I mean? You yeah. want to be the last one up to, to see if something happens at the end of the night. Uh, um, but no, I, I have 
eventually copped on to the fact that you, you know you can't be at every session you can't be at every night out you can't yeah. make everything happen and if you look i tried i fucking yeah. tried and we all have. I was saying about those few one or two times where I genuinely experienced burnout was for that reason. Yeah. I mean, but once you kind of cop on and you realize it, you kind of do, your FOMO becomes less of a problem. And yeah. you just want your bed at half nine. I, I don't know if that's becoming a parent. I think it was starting to happen before she was born. But um, definitely since she's been born now, I'm, I, I'm kind of, I'm quite happy to come home here to the hotel and I'm just FaceTime me little one and see her yeah. no she doesn't fucking have a clue no, I mean, no um but that's just the way it is i'm look i still go out and enjoy me a couple of pints if we're in a nice place and there's a cool bar 100 percent. but not yeah. like not every night of the week not every night no but you you, you 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 couldn't be doing that you would burn out right with the best will in the world you know what i mean you would burn out and there's yeah but that that that's really good i'd usually ask what would your advice be then at, at this point but that that that's really good advice and it's it's quite a common thread with with an awful lot of these interviews that i'm doing is that basically just don't be a dick make sure you're doing it for the right reasons and like you can't like don't get into music like you're saying don't get into music because you think it's going to make you look cool because people will find you out and people will just think you're an arsehole and you'll not get anywhere at all so uh, I think that's 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 really good, solid advice to give to add, The other thing I'd add to that, and there's one thing that I've kind of learned over the years is, especially in this industry, be nice to everyone. Yeah. Because you never know who you're talking to. Never know. Yeah. Like, don't brown nose, but be pleasant and cordial with everyone you meet. Don't fob someone off because they, they might be annoying or something because you never know who they know. They're... they're Fucking brother could be a booking agent for something, or you know, you, you just give everyone a chance. Yeah, like don't like I, I I've seen it before where and it's happened to me. I've been stung before where I've met people that I really didn't like, and I've told them to you know fuck off or something, and yeah. found out that oh they're they book for this or they book for that, and then you're that's you you're never getting that gig. No, not a hope. You know, it's I I always tell a lot of lads, you know, just take the. The penguins of Madagascar across just smiling wave boys, just smiling wave. <laughs> well, That's a great one. You know what I mean? Take give everyone a chance. Don't don't judge a book on its on you know, judge a book by its cover. Give everyone a chance. Um networking yeah. is huge. Like talk to everyone. Don't like you know, sometimes you know when you be doing big gigs and you know people are gonna come up and they want to tell you that they enjoy the gig and it is amazing, but then there's times where you might get a bit tired of it and you just want to go away and not talk to anyone. Yeah. Now, and just spend that 10 minutes just being cordial and talking to people. You never know what could come of it. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. What I mean? really, you know, be be a people person and just don't don't judge a book by its cover. Give everyone a chance. Now, look, if someone is an absolute red roaring prick, yeah. that's different. But just because you get a vibe about someone, don't, you know, just give them a chance. If everyone yeah, I, I think I think I think we're all we're all guilty of that. You, you you do get to a point where there's only so many times you can be asked for Wonderwall or you can be asked, Oh, will you do one more? And it's like ten minutes over when you were meant to be playing. There's yeah. only so many times that you can take that and we're all guilty of it. Yeah. Um but it is it's it's uh you do like like you say, you need to be humbled every now and then. You need to be taken down a peg or two because with the best will in the world, it it can be just because of the nature of what it is that that we do, you can 
it'll run away with you and you do need to be humble. But um I think that's that that that's probably good good solid advice is just to make sure that you stay humble and just stay sound yeah. and just uh, do your best to to give everyone uh, the time of day that they would expect or that they're they're trying to give you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Nice one. Tell you what, Kieran, let's um is is there anything else that you're working on or are you happy enough to go into a quick fire round? I think just keep an eye out, hopefully in the next, you know, couple of months we'll hopefully get um something going with this album and, and um we'll go we'll go from there. But definitely hopefully by the start of next year, the end of this year we'll have something to talk about then. So keep the eyes peeled. Good stuff. And can we see the the the, Celt, the Irish Celtic show coming to the UK at any time? Not that I'm aware of, but yeah, we're we're all over France and Germany. We're in Portugal in May. Um I think we're going back to Canada again. Next year, we're going to be in Montreal, Quebec City, Vancouver, and I think Toronto as well. So you'll find all that online, but we're kind of all over the place. So it's great. Good stuff. I'll tell you what, let's go into a quick fire round. These are just a couple of questions just to break the ice at the end, because why not? Uh, These are would you rather questions, and I'm going to try and use ones that I've not used before just to see uh, what... uh, just to see if people don't get a good idea of what makes you tick already. Let's see if we can figure out what makes you actually tick. So, question one. Would you rather be able to talk to animals or speak every human language fluently? Oh, of human language. I speak to enough animals on a daily basis anyway. <laughs> well, I, I always say, see, touring the world. Like, yeah. well, you go to Germany and stuff. And, like, I remember, I always remember my old lad saying to me when I was in secondary school, I've done German for my junior cert. He says, you better fucking keep that on for your leaving cert. You never know when it'll come in handy. And I was like, no, don't fuck, fuck German. You know, I didn't want, yeah. I didn't want to do languages. I just cut the arse. Yeah. He was fucking right. And I hate telling me all that he was right, but he was like, I would love to have kept German on. You know, like I see Robbie Gregg here, who's the fiddle player on the, this tour. Robbie's uh, mother is German. Right. Um, so he, he speaks fluent German and then he speaks English. And he speaks Scots Gaelic as well. Like Robbie flicks in and out, like, and I think it's the coolest thing ever. Fast. I'd love to be able to speak loads of languages. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Would you rather never be able to use the internet again, or never be able to watch TV again? TV. Yeah, I think an awful lot of people would say TV. TV. I I literally just cancelled Sky there before Christmas because I don't watch anything past the set the first two pages. Yeah, I I don't I don't know. I think. Well, so that's kind of a cop out because Netflix is online. So, do you know what I mean? <laughs> of course, actually, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, I haven't watched, you know, like, barring the news, but you get the news on your phone now. Television's kind of gone to the shite now, I think. Yeah, it is. It is, yeah. Yeah. No, I'd, I, I, I'd be with you on that. We wouldn't really get very far. Well, def- definitely hearing from, from, from what you've said for the past little while, you wouldn't have gotten very, very far without the, the ability to email or network on, online and all that kind of crack. So, yeah. Right. Would you never. Would you, Jesus, hang on, let me say that again. Would you rather never be able to eat your favourite food again or have to eat it every day for the rest of your life? I think we spoke about this in the bus before. And um, I, I'd rather not eat my favourite meal because like, you would get sick of it fairly quick. I mean, it's like... Too much of a good thing. I mean, it's too much of a good thing. Once again, back to that. I mean, we see it here, like there's um, music that plays kind of as the crowd is coming into the, the venues for this tour. And yeah. The music is brilliant and it, it's really good, but we all fucking hate hearing it now because we hear it so much. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. yoga and Damien O'Kane and all this. And like, actually, the Liam Bradley, the piano player from Yoga, is actually rooming with me on this tour. He's playing right. piano on this. 
Um, but it's like Bjorg and David O'Kane and all these brilliant bands and the music is brilliant but when you hear it every day times for seven weeks by the end of it you're all oh, don't yeah that, that's plenty now that's plenty no. yeah fair enough grand last one would you rather live in a world where you are the only person or live in a world where there are other people but you're invisible Ooh. I'd get sick of myself too quickly yeah I'd, I'd piss myself off so I I Well, I don't. I, I, I'm one of these people. I'm useless. It's something that I've had to get better at. I'm very bad in my own company. Right. As in, I, 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 I don't know what it is. I don't like it. I really don't like being on my own for too long. Oh, like, bless you. Yeah, I know. It's, it's. I, I don't know what it is. I've always had this thing where, I've, I, I've always tried to get better with it. Like, I always feel the need to be in company of other people. I don't want. I don't know what it is. I, I never Come figured on. it out. But I just like even like. I don't like eating on my own. Like I'd rather starve and wait for someone else to want to go to have dinner. Than... All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a fucking weirdo like that. I like, I, I'm, too, I think I'm too much of a people person. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of, if I was on my own for too long, I think I'd go mad. So I, right. I do, I do like to be around people. Definitely. Now, don't get me wrong. I do like to have a little bit of time on my own, and you know, but not too much. No, not so much. So you're 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 gonna live in a world where you're invisible. You'd have some crack, like. Oh yeah, you'd have some crack. Like I, I'm assuming with this, like it's my question, so I can set the parameters of it. You can still like talk and interact with people; they just can't see you. So you'd yeah. have some crack. You could like go around in the nip and talk to people, and they'd know you're in the nip yeah. because they can't see the shirt and stuff like floating in midair and stuff. Yeah. Or you could just go around with just like a hat floating, and people would know that you're in the nip. Yeah, bar a hat <laughs> and stuff like that. So. Fair enough. Good stuff. Right, Kieran. real quick before I let you go, where can people find you online should they want to book you for a private house party in Philadelphia? Um, you can ring Derek Warfin for that one. <laughs> um, you can get us on Facebook, uh, Kieran Cooney Music. You can get me on Instagram, at Kieran Cooney Music. Um, you can email me at redcooney95 at gmail.com. Um, send a carrier pigeon to Glasgow and tell them to find me. You'll find me somewhere. They'll find you. Or, yeah. uh, people sorry. hear me before they see me as well, so just keep an ear up. I know about it. Right, listen, Kieran, you're an absolute gen. Thanks very much for coming on today. Cheers, Barry. Thanks really much. That was the Music Career Show. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends about the Music Career Show.